0: Welcome to Picture Book Path, a podcast for picture book writers and illustrators with questions about self-publishing. I'm ai
1: And I'm Phil. We're two experienced image makers on a new journey to publish independent picture books.
0: There's no real map and we don't know everything.
1: But we're asking questions and traveling this path to find answers.
0: Come Come explore explore with us. us! (laughs) Phil.
1: <laughs> hey, I <Jung. laughs> So I Jung, we don't have a guest this week, do we?
0: No, we don't. But no that's okay because we have some other things we want to talk about with just us.
1: We wanted to talk about the progress we've been making on our projects and also just about how to get things done. Yeah. Right? Because the world is hard and we've all been kind of struggling. So we wanted to talk to each other about how we kind of make this stuff work. So I jung how's it going today?
0: Uh good. A little I'm a little groggy, but I'm good. <laughs> How are you today?
1: Uh I'm feeling the same way. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're just at the height of summer. It's hot outside. Yeah. We're in the middle of a pandemic, which means we shouldn't be leaving our house <laughs> things. So uh, I don't know. Just yeah. feeling a bit antsy and tired.
0: Yeah. And also not like I don't really go out and do as much exercise or physical activity when it's this hot. So I'm, I haven't been moving quite as much either. So
1: have you been productive on artwork at least? What's Um, a, what's a bright spot for you right now? Yeah.
0: So I have been working on my children's book um, fairly steadily, but honestly It all feels like I'm going very slowly. Still, I finished my third spread, which I'm—that was actually my most detailed spread so far. And and I'm doing a lot of interior scenes, which I'm not used to as much because most of my other artwork is tends to be sort of nature-focused and organic. And so now I'm like, as I talked about last or last uh, episode. I had to learn perspective again to be able to do a little bit more with it than I was used to. And
1: I meant to ask this before, but yeah, did you go online and like watch some YouTube t- tutorials or how did yeah. you brush up <laughs> on, uh, you know, picking up some of those perspective skills again?
0: Yeah. So I, we've talked a lot about so far with the people we've interviewed about uh, reaching out for help or assistance or you know hiring people when we need help with certain aspects we're not as good at so um, I first was just really frustrated um, I felt like my drawing especially my third spread it just wasn't right and I I uh, consulted my older sister who's a, an artist and I was asking her to take a look at it but her focus isn't um, as much on perspective. Um, so I decided to, I asked another friend who does comics and uh, he took a look and and he did agree. The perspective was off. Um, so just getting actually a second opinion it was was helpful. And then after that, um, instead of just pestering people endlessly about <laughs> whether my perspective is right, I did take to the internet. I looked at YouTube videos. I um, did find some that, that were really... Helpful, um, and then I also looked up books at the library about perspective. I found one that was called, I think, "Perspective Made Easy" or something called oh, by yeah. Robert Robbie Lee.
1: Yeah, I've seen that book before.
0: Yeah, that I honestly like. Sometimes I felt like I was reading a textbook because, like, I my brain was like exploding <laughs> as I was reading some of it. I just <laughs> literally didn't understand. And I've had a lot of trouble like finding good perspective books that are. You know, clearly understood, but also have some complexity so that you can use them to create scenery that you want. The Robbie Lee book was actually really good, so that helped me a lot. Um, and I did just find some you know tutorials on different websites, so I spent a few days actually just like brushing up on that.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's important that even is professional image makers, right? Who make money mm-hmm. off of this thing every now <laughs> and again we're asked to do something and it's like, oh yeah, I got to brush up on that a little bit because it's been (laughs) a while since I've used it or. Yeah. um,
0: In my case, my book, it does have, um, like, it's not hyper realistic, but I do want there to be some sense of realism for some reason. I don't know. I mean, I could have gone any way, I guess with the style, but for me it felt right for it to feel set in something that feels sort of tangible and real. So And by the way, I, I realize we should probably just i should probably mention that perspective for those who are not you know illustrators is um i don't know how would you define perspective phil
1: um I would say that it is the representation of three dimensional space on a two dimensional plane
0: <laughs> you're so good, yeah yes and oh, <laughs> and one of the um issues with drawing perspective is that depending on your viewpoint such as um you know if you're you know doing a bird's eye view or if you're like lower or higher the angles of the objects um will change and right. so you have to like get that sort of correct for it to look realistic um although i do sometimes love when People draw like really wonky perspective, and it just like <laughs> kind of has a surreal feeling to it. I think that's yeah. cool too, but it doesn't really fit the style I'm going for. So, how are you at perspective, Phil?
1: <laughs> I am mediocre. Perspective. <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> um, in college, I had a really good drawing teacher. Mm-hmm. My freshman and sophomore year, that I liked him. I hated his course. <laughs> because he hammered us so hard. His name was Casey Wise, uh, and he was just an amazing draftsman. And I really disliked being in his courses, but by the time I got into my junior and senior years, I looked back and said, Ah, yeah, I totally appreciate all <laughs> the things that he was teaching us, even as I was pulling my hair out. Um, yeah. So I'm okay at perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could be stronger still.
0: Yeah, and I feel like at this point I'm okay too. Even though I did just brush up, I'm not like super amazing. But um, and I think some of my some of the spreads in my book might not be absolutely perfect. But my, my friend who I contacted said something that I really liked. He said, um, "It things can be off a little as long as the art communicates." And I thought that that was good advice, you know, that it's not always about absolute perfection. It's about communication, emotion, um, all the different elements. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, we stylize people all the time, right? And we don't worry about like, the size of the rib cage in terms of how it, big it is compared to the forearm. Often like right when we're kind of designing characters and messing with proportions and all that kind of stuff, as long as it looks stylized in a consistent way um, and looks purposeful, people yeah. will buy it, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and I think that we can think about perspective the same way. You can eyeball perspective quite often as long as you make it feel right.
0: Right. Yeah. And, so. and some of the advice I got, um, from one of the online tutorials was if it doesn't look right then change it it doesn't matter if it's actually correct like psychologically right. people have to you know vibe with it otherwise they're not going to have a connection with what you're drawing so
1: i had a follow-up question actually about drawing yeah um, <laughs> one of our earlier episodes, where you were saying that you work on each spread individually, like you didn't draw the whole book all the way through, right? Is that correct?
0: No, I did not. But I have, I created um, storyboard, which is tiny little sketches, thumbnail sketches, which are small little sketches of each page, Um, actually each spread. And a spread is when you open a book, there's, a you know, the left side of the page, the right side of the page, that's a double page spread. So I am doing storyboarding and double page spreads. Um, and then I've done a couple dummies, which are like small, smaller mock-ups of the entire book, but they they're pretty loose. And so when I went to make each final spread, and this is not necessarily the recommended way, Phil, because I know that you said you would draw everything out. And I <laughs> think there's something... <laughs> There's something to be said about that that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I've seen sometimes professional, you know, famous illustrators and artists looking at some of their preparatory work. And sometimes they make like bazillions of dummies and preparatory sketches, paint out the scenes in color, figure out, right. you know, and I do some. So like before I approach a spread to draw the final drawing, I do preparatory drawings. You know, I draw some of the objects in the room. I play around with what kind of color scheme I want, but I don't 100% plan everything out. Oh, okay. um, in the preparatory sketches.
1: Right. Then but I'll you're go- doing enough so that you know nothing's going to change at the end that's going to affect, say, the three spreads that you already have finished.
0: Yes. I mean, I hope so far. <laughs> You know, so far it's been okay, but I'm hoping that, you know, I don't make some weird mistake where I have to change everything I did in the beginning. That would be pretty horrible. So that's, I mean, that would just take so much time. And that's the reason why I'm doing these um, dummies and the dummies are the mock-ups. Like, you know, I took sheets of paper, folded them in half, stapled them, draw each thing, make it look like a little miniature book. So you're testing the page page turns you know, seeing how things flow um, and stuff like that. And the storyboard, which is, you know, in my sketchbook, it's uh, just a bunch of little boxes that represent the pages. That's to, like, look at the rhythm of the book and overall and see, you know, am I being very repetitive here? Just, you know, just seeing what are you focusing on? How can you vary each page? So it's interesting. Um you know, where do you maybe need more space? Like, is there a lot going on in, in these spreads? and the next ones, you want to be a little more quiet or spacious. Um, then it comes to the final drawing, and I am looking at my dummies. I'm looking at my storyboards. Sometimes they don't even match totally. Like, I've changed them in between. Sure. Um, but I at least have an idea because I've been thinking about it. So then I go to the final drawing and try to draw it um to size, which is also important, because sometimes when you go from like a little drawing to a, to the real, the actual size, and it actually does change how the final drawing looks. So um, yeah, so I'll so I'll do the final drawing, and then I'll work out a little bit of color. But honestly, sometimes I do wing it a little bit or a lot, you know. And so my personal styles, I enjoy discovering things. In the final art. I could pre-plan, a, you know, a lot more, but it's honestly just like I find it boring, sort of, and it's like repetitive, sure. and I want to have a little bit of freedom and a little bit of life in the actual final artwork. I work traditionally, and for this book, I'm, I'm using watercolor and gouache, and so sometimes that means I, I don't like what I did, and I have to go over and paint over it, which <laughs> it's not... Usually in watercolor, you're not really supposed to do that. But, you know, I use gouache, which is more opaque, and and right. just paint over it. Um, So it's not, like, a time-efficient way to work, but it's a way that I enjoy because I really do like working traditionally. Um and, yeah, and
1: as real. long as you're open to revision, right? As long yeah. as you're not mad when you have to change something, it's your process, and it's what you enjoy doing.
0: Yeah, and also, like, a lot of it, um you know having to change a color isn't as big a deal as having to change the entire drawing. So sure. as long as my drawing is pretty on then I don't usually have like really big problems, but um what about you with what is your process?
1: So with my project right now, I've taken the manuscript through the critique group. They haven't seen drawings or anything like that yet. Yeah. But they've seen the writing and made some suggestions, some really good suggestions about strengthening my character's motivation problem that he has to solve, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And So I'm going to be rewriting and revising that. And I've started making a timeline because if I want to put this thing out in say May of next year, uh, I need to know when I need to get it done. So I've started kind of working out that plan.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's something that I wanted to talk about with you today because you do illustration professionally and you meet deadlines quite a bit. Um, I have deadlines as well, but I think they're more loose and it's a slightly different process than yours. So I was wondering, how do you manage your time? Um... You know, on individual projects and like, you know, over a, maybe a longer project.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's a combination of notes on pieces of paper that I lose and <laughs> then um, not working efficiently enough. So I have to panic finish. things. <laughs> I mean, that's not, entirely so you're not true.
0: efficient. That's
1: not entirely true, but I'm not the most efficient person.
0: Really, um, I thought I just had this sense that you were super efficient. I'm like a turtle. I'm so slow, detailed, and just yeah. I thought you were an efficient person.:
1: I'm getting better. <laughs> uh, so over the last year, I've been looking at various like lists and books and suggestions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at several kind of project-based systems that are based on the book um getting things done by uh, david allen Oh and yeah, I,
0: think I, I might have read that one.
1: So it's his system is pretty extreme in terms of organizing your life.
0: Yeah. And
1: I was doing the full thing there for like 3 or 4 months and it was really hard to implement and amazing. I got so much done while I was actually doing it and then the pandemic happened and it started falling apart um and so I'm still using several of his kind of tricks to break things down into various steps uh one of the things that I have is I have kind of two lists going one is a list of the things that I am working on right now. And I don't mean just like big projects. It's not like, Oh, picture book. It's, um, revised beginning of picture book. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm not looking at that old metaphor, right? Like I'm, I'm not doing the whole elephant. Yeah. One bite at a time. Right. Like, um, so I am looking at really small, taking big projects, breaking it into as small of pieces as I possibly can. And then my list has the next step for each project. Just one step, one or two steps for each project. Mm -hmm. So like this freelance gig, I need to reply to this email. Like literally some of them are just reply to an email because the next thing I'm going to do is wait for the reply the answer for the question that I have. Right. And I can't move on until I get that answer. So that step on that project, when I reply to the email, the next step becomes wait for reply. Um, And it becomes really, really granular. And the hope is that you don't have moments where you sit down and say, Oh, what am I going to do now? Or like, what should I work on now that I have Five minutes. You know, like it makes it so that if I have 15 minutes, I can sit at my desk, look over the steps of the five or six projects that I have, pick the one that takes 10 or 15 minutes, knock that thing out, cross it off my list. And then my second list is basically all the stuff that's percolating in the background. Right. So, like if I take a project and I break it down to, say, a picture book project. The next thing I need to do is revise um, the beginning of my current picture book project and um, maybe start designing my character, like designing my main character sheep. Uh, when right now, revise the beginning of the picture book manuscript is the one that's on the main list. Mm-hmm. The backup list has design sheep, design kid. Um, so that once I get the manuscripts finished, I cross that off, I automatically grab the next thing off of this backup list and put okay. it on the main list and take care of that. So oh. that if as I remember things, as I think of things, I put them on the backup list. I've written them down somewhere. I no longer have to worry about them. Right? Yeah. They don't take up brain space anymore because they're living somewhere.
0: Right. And yeah. I can
1: trust that they are living somewhere. Um, so that I can just concentrate on the main topics on my, my front list and slowly knock those out. And then as I knock those out, things move on from my backup list onto my main list.
0: All right. That's cool. That makes sense. Um, I've also read a lot of, um, organization type books and time management books and, and there's and even like inspirational or self-help books. There's a lot that that talks about breaking things down very small. Yes, and, and that I think that is really helpful. And I go through cycles of, you know, reading a new book or consulting in a book I've read before and getting, you know, really organized and then just kind of not not being as organized anymore. Do you, so it sounds like maybe you're going through that right now, but do you go through those cycles too, or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, th- this is a, that's what I strive for and that's what I try to maintain, but maintaining it is hard
0: Yeah.
1: because, um, I haven't built up the habit yet to make it the everyday life. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm trying to get to. And some days it works and some days it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't have my list with me, and <laughs> I do write something down on a piece of paper, and then I lose that piece of paper and it doesn't make it onto the backup list, right? So that's earlier when I was like, I write on pieces yeah. of and lose them. That is still a problem for me. Um, so, one of the things that I've been trying to do is at my desk here, I spend most of my working day at my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to maintain this main list and then folders for all my other projects so that in the folders are like in a bin that are on my desk. So when I sit down and I cross something off my list, I can grab the folder for that project. Look at that to add something to my list, you know? So like, I'm just trying to,
0: Oh, to see what you need to do next. Yeah.
1: Right. So that each project has its own little folder so that I don't have to worry about where am I going to find this information? And you, know, you sometimes- mean an
0: actual folder, like a physical folder on your desk?
1: Yeah, or do you mean I'm- on your
0: computer? No, okay. like
1: I mean a manila folder with paper. Okay,
0: yeah. And what are sort of the things you keep in the folders? Like what are they? Like contracts, like sketches? Like what, what is actually in the folders? Yes. All those things. <laughs> um, okay.
1: Meeting notes or random ideas. You know, like if I'm out and I need to I write something down and then I shove it in my pocket. You know, when I get home and I take it out of my pocket, I can put it in the folder because that okay. keeps me from losing things, right? Yeah. Because otherwise I'll set it on my desk and then that little piece of paper gets lost. So I'm trying to build up the habit more and more of taking it right out of my pocket and putting it right into the folder. <laughs> um, yeah. And then every now and again, go through the folder and see if all that stuff is still relevant, purge what's not, consolidate. Mm-hmm. That kind of, so it's, you know, there's, there's maintenance to be done about yeah. that, yeah. but it keeps me from wasting time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, especially right now when I have so little extra time to be wasting.
0: Yeah. You know, I have sort of a, an opposite problem because I have a lot of time that's not scheduled and i'm trying to work on this one big project but to be honest i so i work in cycles that is the most natural way that i work and i have trouble um 100% focusing on one thing for a long stretch of time i actually work better when i work sort of obsessively and intensely on a project and then finish it and then move on to another project so for me it's been I feel like sometimes I'm trying not to be too hard on myself because, you know, I want to respect the way that I am Mm -hmm. and that I'm not, I'm not as uh, productive and driven to be constantly filling my time um, as some other people. It seems to come more naturally to them. I spend there's a lot of times I spend, honestly, like resting, relaxing, being lazy, like (laughs) going out, taking, you know, I don't take you know, tons and tons of walks, but I try to, to do that because I feel like for my process, I need some space, you know, if I, if I can try to cram in a lot at one time and I can do that sometimes. And then I have like that for the next week or two, I'm just like in a daze, you know, I just, I don't have the energy to start on another project. So it's like, I have this sort of reserve and I can go under or over, but you know, if it gets depleted, I have to fill it And sometimes it's frustrating because we do live, you know, besides us trying to get things done for our own reasons, you know, making enough money, supporting, supporting ourselves, our families, whatever. Um, There's also just this internal pressure to constantly be productive
1: Sure. Um,
0: and like in a way that... I am not an artist who actually makes art every single day i actually I make art quite a bit, but I don't do it every single day and there's some people that that say you should and I don't really like it when people say you should do any one thing because I think that yes. everyone is so
1: different yes. you know I agree
0: but I do think there's a lot of internal pressure to just be like constantly producing um using up all your available time. And there's guilt when you're not because, you know, I feel very lucky that I can do this, you know, with my life. And so if I'm not using my time in what I feel is a productive way, I feel I feel bad. You know, I feel bad for people who have to struggle much more to, to eke out that time. And, and also paradoxically, um, sometimes when you have a lot of time, you're less good at managing it which i think is sort of happening to me a little bit right now so i don't know
1: i i think that we do have almost like this um cult of busyness right, right. like people ask so how are you doing and the default answer so often becomes really busy and the response mm-hmm. to that is oh good
0: yeah you yeah. know
1: um busy has become the new oh i'm fine right. you know and um, and if
0: what if you're not busy and you say, "I've been really lazy," <laughs> you know, like
1: but not busy doesn't mean lazy, right? Like they are. That's not, true.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what's the opposite of busy then? Restful.
1: Maybe yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. But you can also be well adjusted
0: and mm-hmm. not busy,
1: right? You yeah. Can, um. <laughs> I think that we just need to, in today's world, be even more mindful of, especially with everything that's going on, of our mental health, of not overextending ourselves, and with having some self-forgiveness about the difference between what the world expects of us, what we are capable of doing, and what we are okay with doing
0: yeah that's a good not point.
1: everybody's um we, we talked about this before where not everybody's definition of success is the same yeah right not everybody's definition of making it is the same and we have to keep in perspective why we're doing things for our own reasons yeah. versus what the world expects us to do
0: right now that um that makes so much sense and i really like uh, that you you added in, you know, what we're okay with. Because I think for me it's um, I mean it's taken, you know, my lifetime to understand how I work, what I enjoy when I'm getting overly stressed, when the stress is um, appropriate, you know. I mean, it's not bad to be stressed sometimes, you know. There's just there are times that are busier and there's times you have a lot more to do in, in a shorter amount of time but you don't want that all the time necessarily because yes, it can take a a toll on your health. I think we're all so different. So I don't think there's just one solution for everyone.
1: Right. And see, here's the thing is that we are also kind of talking about um, starting something new here, right. With self-publishing. And for Uh people who want to self-publish a picture book, it's work right? And most people who publish books, whether traditionally or self-published, they're working their full-time job Mm -hmm. and they're going to be trying to put books out and it's going to cause a lot of stress, right? Sometimes financial with trying to figure out how to pay for the things that they're doing. Um, They might be losing sleep either over the worry that of their book or even doing the work of, trying to do books on top of family life and work life and everything else. Um, And it's not easy. And so I think as we all try and do this, we need to be really mindful of ourselves and know our limits and not push ourselves too far. Like we can push, we can stress, we can – Um, maybe do a little bit of extra work. We can do those extra things because we believe in our projects and we have passion for them and we love them. Um, but also be okay with ourselves when we need to take a few days off to recharge because we can't always be on for every aspect of our lives. Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Yeah. Even if we don't want to make a decision about the things that we're doing—that's a decision, right—that yeah. is giving up control. So when I say yes to any project, that means that I'm giving that project time. That means that any other project or any other resting or sleep or reading or anything else that might be taking up that time, I'm, I'm kind of passively saying no to.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. But so not- with every mm-hmm. yes, there are a equal or more number of no's. Mm-hmm. That kind of have to be made and so how do we want to spend our time and what do we want to make our yeses versus our noes?
0: yeah
1: um and we just have to be really careful about those answers that we give
0: right and i, I think it's hard to find this perfect balance i think everyone oh, wants no, yeah yeah to be like totally balanced and there's just it's that's very difficult to be totally balanced all the time um, a few years ago, I found myself feeling really angry and resentful anytime anyone asked me to do anything. And I was feeling this way for several months. and I realized that I was angry because I didn't want to do those things and so and it took me you know a while to learn this and you know i've I've done different sort of uh, learn different practices for setting boundaries, um, and it's it's hard for me sometimes because I want to say yes to everyone, but when it makes you so <laughs> unhappy, um, it's something to to look at, you know. So I took a look at it and I realized like I was saying yes to some things I didn't want to do. So mm-hmm. I had to learn how to say no. I no. do have to figure out ways to make my business work. Yes. But I tried to find ways that um that I can handle better, and then i I don't feel resentful anymore, so that was sort of a big I guess that's part of time management it's It's kind of like energy management um
1: well, and you were also saying that like there are periods of time where you don't do much, but you also have yeah. really busy periods of time throughout the year when this summer is different, right with everything yes. closed in the pandemic but holiday seasons for you and summers for you because you do a lot of art festivals for yeah. you pr- to sell your printing work all of that is the business aspect of your job
0: right yes you and for a ton
1: of time and planning into
0: and it's it is seasonal so which that works for me in particular it that seasonal might not work for everyone and actually really my busiest time is usually like the fall you know September through December a little bit in the summer so I work on sort of different things in different seasons sometimes I'll take on more teaching when other things are slow and the one thing I'm I'm sort of thinking about a lot now is that um the children's book I've been working on has been my main art project for about four months now, basically since um since the pandemic started. And I, I've been working on other projects. Um, but the book has been my main project. And, you know, every week there's, you know, a couple days when I just I just kind of want to rest, you know. Like there's this part of me that wants to work seven days a week, but mm-hmm that doesn't work for me and i think it is healthy to take the days off but as as you know as we were preparing to record this podcast i was thinking about like my time management skills and and feeling sort of guilty that i'm not doing better but i realized that maybe i actually kind of want a like a little break from the book for a little while um not just like a day or two but maybe i want to actually focus on something else for a little bit sure Uh, But I'm also kind of scared that I'm going to get derailed, you know. Sure,
1: both of those things are possibilities. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
0: how do you? So when you do, like, say your role-playing game uh, work, so how do you work on projects that are like just more in depth, take a longer time, and do you take breaks in between, like longer breaks? Like how how do you work that out?
1: So um, I I would just like to say. Before I answer that question, like mm-hmm. you were saying that you have to take long breaks and all that kind of stuff. If ultimately the things that we're doing are working, if we're getting things done and we feel okay about it, yeah. then it's fine, right? Like it, it that doesn't mean <laughs> don't try other things. Right. You can try out other things. But ultimately, if this process is good for you and you decide you need to take a break or you need to do whatever, then- that is fine for you and your process.: My agent thank you.: <laughs> My agent tells me projects take the time that they take, especially when we're working on personal projects in which there is no income coming in yet, mm-hmm. and other things have to take precedence, right? right? But when it comes to like my role-playing game work and things like that, mm-hmm. that's deadline-driven.: Yeah. I don't have a choice of, "Oh, I don't feel like doing that today." Yeah, You know, it's like, okay, I have, like, you know, I have a month to do these four illustrations for this one job over here as well as all of my other work that I've got to slot in there, right? Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a, this is a job, you sit down and you do the job kind of work, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And do you feel like your personality matches that kind of work? Because I don't think mine does uh, quite. It does. So yours yeah. does.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I've been a freelance illustrator now for 20 years. Yeah. So it's just, Impressive. it's practice. Yeah. Right. I, I don't have, when it comes to freelance work in which a client is giving me money to produce something, mm-hmm. um, there is not the, the luxury of whether or not I feel inspired. Yeah. You know, um, because I have a skill that they are paying me to use. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to use that skill for the job that they're paying me to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have bills to pay and life and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it, it, for me it, in a lot of cases, it's a fun job. Don't get me wrong by yeah. any means. I am so lucky that I can, that I get to draw and, paint <laughs> and do graphic design and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, for a living. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, puppy dogs and rainbows all the time. (laughs) No, I mean, it's
0: work as well. (laughs) Right.
1: It's something that I do to help support my family. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I recognize that my dad, right, was a welder in a factory. Mm -hmm. And he would have to wear all of his welding gear in a factory in the summer when temperatures in the factory got to 110 degrees. You know, like, I'm yeah. not doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm.
1: um, and you yeah. know, and so I'm super lucky that I get to work at home mm-hmm. and do that stuff.
0: Yeah, I feel. But like I also don't too. have the
1: luxury of not doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. So how uh, do you get yourself to do something that isn't always fun? You know.
1: Mm, that's really that just comes down to practice, expectation, and deadlines. Mm -hmm. So my personal projects take forever.
0: Really? Okay. Um,
1: And I'm trying to get better about that. But one of the reasons that they take forever is because work itself takes precedent. Yeah. Right. It's also one of the reasons that I'm, I want to do this self publishing thing because traditional publishing takes forever. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So it's like, traditional publishing is a process that takes forever on top of me being kind of slow on those things just because of the amount of time I can give them. But like we were talking earlier for this self-published picture book, I want to have it out in May. Yeah. And so like I started making, making a calendar and I right. got a I have self-imposed deadlines because I work with deadlines. That's because of my freelance work. Mm-hmm. That's how I produce is I'm used to being like, okay, I have to get this done by this date.
0: So you use deadlines to help you. Even if it means you have to panic to get it done, it keeps you going step, step by step.
1: Right. And hopefully I don't have to panic to get it done as long as my <laughs> two-step to-do list system continues. Right. <laughs> Ready. Um and I mean like when I do that like sometimes I feel silly writing down petty little steps that I've got to do <laughs> but it also helps because I get to write down that petty little step but then crossing it off the list and moving something else from that backup list onto the main list yeah it's satisfying <laughs> you know
0: sometimes I get over really overwhelmed like I might kind of know what I need to do next but because I didn't write it down, get it out of me, it's not 100% clear. And it makes it very easy for me to just become distracted. It's easy for me to just like, oh, I need to Google this thing that's totally unrelated. You know, like mm-hmm. I can e- more easily get distracted when I'm intimidated by doing something. Sure. And actually when I'm in the flow, I don't get distracted as easily. Just it just, it I just want to be doing what I'm doing. But I'm not as disciplined as you um, about deadlines. And, but I think that like, it's true. It does take practice. Um,
1: I think that there is value in finishing things mm-hmm. and getting the feeling of finishing things Yeah. and knowing that feeling of finishing a thing. Yeah, right? I because, think. Okay, go on, go as on. I was going to say, when we're in the middle of projects and we're muddling through and we don't feel like we see the end, yeah. um, it can be demoralizing. But yes. if we have finished things multiple times, we can look back and say, "Okay, I've done it. I know what it feels like to finish, and I will get there again." My my friend yeah. Bill Bloom, he's a, a young adult writer in, mm-hmm. here around Richmond. When he he often says that writers should write short stories before they start a novel, mm-hmm. so that they get the feeling of finishing a project before they dive into a gigantic project. Yeah, and feel inundated and don't even know what it's like to finish a writing project yet. Right. Right. So if you practice the discipline of getting through smaller projects and finishing them and feeling what that feels like to finish, then that can help propel you when you get to larger projects because you've already kind of built up that discipline of knowing what that's like.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that in my artwork, which – so I sell my um fine art prints and my little zines and everything. I I do have practice getting these sort of finite projects done. This makes me think about I've been thinking about this actually lately how you know this picture book project is literally the biggest project I've ever worked on in my life. Wow, yeah. I mean because there's so many components um you're creating basically like approximately 16 Finished pieces of art, and you're writing. You know, you're you're writing for it. Um, you're laying it out. I mean, and there's and like like with your list, there's also all these bazillion of little details of decisions and things you have to to create and make and decide. And you know, like how do you draw a sewing machine? How do you draw a chair? Like, I have to learn perspective. Like, you know, I have to color in every single inch of this picture and make a decision about which color when when you actually think about the how many decisions an artist has to make when i think about that it makes me realize why it's hard for me actually to work i can't work eight hours a day i just i don't i'm not able to i wish i was i can't work eight hours a day on this And then also thinking of it as a totality of, you know, it's not just this one page, it's, you know, an accumulation of pages, which is probably why I am not drawing out every single final page. And I am going sort of like drawing it, painting it, and then moving to the next spread. Because for me, like, those are the steps that make each part of the book finite and completion.
1: That makes sense.
0: And it's so overwhelming if I was actually trying to do it in probably the more logical manner of doing each step at a time throughout for all the pages.
1: But this is the Um, way that you can chunk it out for your brain to work.
0: Yes, because my brain can't handle. Yeah, Yeah. my brain can't handle the the totality. Yeah. Um, And um, it's new to me. Actually, there's many skills that I'm learning that are new. To, that are inc- incorporating them like even drawing the same character in different poses from different angles like sure. um that's actually hard like i mm-hmm. i didn't realize that but like getting their facial expression or their face their features to look the same is actually kind of difficult um
1: <laughs> yeah and so I, yeah, yeah. Uh, one one little trick that i learned um from children's illustrator adam rex Uh Um, is to build little maquettes or little sculptures of your character.
0: Oh, yes, Particularly
1: of their head, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be a neutral expression, but if you build a little sculpture of their head, you can turn it in any direction and see kind of what the proportions would be. And
0: I actually have done that. I I made one out of felt um, that, that can kind of move a little. And then I made the head out of Sculpey. To be honest, even just getting something from your drawing onto a a little sculpture and getting that looking the same is also very, it's kind of hard too, but it at least gives me an idea so I can, I can, you know, mess with it in the drawing and figure it out. But
1: you know what I'll do sometimes is I will take the, the little sculpture, the maquette, light it, and then photograph that Ah. because what that's doing is that's taking this three-dimensional object and flattening it into a 2d space
0: Oh, that's smart, Phil. <laughs> um,
1: and then I'm rendering or referencing 2D to 2D, right? Like yeah. a flat photo onto a flat drawing, and I'm not having to worry about translating three-dimensional object into. Flat okay,
0: volume. I'm gonna use that, Phil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I would like to say that I, I did quickly look up antonyms for busy, <laughs> and. Guess what one of them is? What? Lazy.
0: Yeah. But but so is
1: quiet. Quiet I would argue that quiet and lazy are not even remotely, right? Like, I can (laughs) see how within certain contexts, they are both antonyms for busy. Yeah. Um, But this is one of the reasons that they say don't write from a thesaurus, right? Because even though something is a synonym or antonym of a word, doesn't mean that those two words are the same as each other. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I would yes. say quiet. Quiet is a perfect because you can be quiet and very productive without can, being busy.
0: You can also be percolating. So
1: yes, if, yeah. I've
0: been, I've been thinking about this a lot because I do feel very like lazy sometimes and, and maybe I am lazy sometimes. Let's be honest. Okay. But I think that um, one thing I've learned from this book because it's such a has been such a drawn out project for me is um, there are times when I do take a break or would what, for whatever reason, life, work, other stuff. Sure. And when I come back, I find that like the benefits from taking the break are unexpected and often positive. Absolutely. You know, with the writing, um, sometimes I have trouble with something I can't really figure out how to. Uh, write it in the way I want, or how to how to convey what I want, and I'll put it away for a month or or whatever, and come back, and you know your mind is kind of can still be working on it in the background.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And when I come back, it's like I found the solution, you know,
1: and but it, I couldn't
0: have forced that solution. It had to have a little time to to rest. Yeah. Be quiet. <laughs>
1: Get some distance from it. Right? Like when we make decisions for a little while after we make those decisions, we can be really attached to those decisions. But with some distance, we can um, kind of separate ourselves from the decisions that were previously made and make new decisions. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I, that's, I meant to, that's another thing I learned is that you can be so attached to a way that you put a word, you know, a sentence down or you drew this character but when you take the time away and you come back you're just like oh i don't care about that i'm just going to change this or right. hey this this does work but i need to tweak it a little but you're not it's not like your precious little baby it's like it you know you can do what you want because you had that distance so yeah i think that's an important um point to make for anyone who does have trouble with you know being constantly productive because there are these benefits, you know, that come from not being constantly productive. Yeah. So, although of course, you know, really what works for you works for you and is is what is good for you is good for you. So
1: right. yeah. So I think this is a great place to kind of end because mm-hmm. it's true, right? This journey is hard. And as you go down the path, you have to figure out what works for you and try things and if something doesn't work try something else and you'll eventually find your groove and if you keep pushing you'll get your project done just take care of yourself and keep going right Mm
0: -hmm. and hopefully as you keep going you will gain that practice that you need and maybe even you know find things becoming easier as you go
1: well, right. thanks for joining us. And um, Thank you. as always, if you have suggestions on topics or guests, uh, send us an email at picturebookpath at gmail.com.
0: Picture Book Path is hosted by ai Kim and Philip Hilliker. We can be reached at picturebookpath at gmail.com. Our music is by scottholmesmusic.com.